This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Otago Access Radio, in partnership with Otago Polytech, brings you Blowing Bubbles. Blowing Bubbles brings you positive conversations with people in their bubbles around the world. How are people living their bubble lives? Working from home, keeping kids entertained, and staying connected and getting exercise. And how are these things presenting us with the opportunities to find new ways of living? Every weekday, the Sustainable Lens team of Samuel Mann, Shan Gallagher and Mara Karatai reach out from their bubbles to chat with interesting and positive people around the world. Broadcast on Otago Access Radio 105.4 FM and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz and sustainablelens.org. Bringing connection, joy, kindness and peace in the days ahead. Welcome to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles at their safe spaces around the world. I'm Samuel Mann in Sawyer's Bay, Dunedin, and I am joined from Fakatani by Mawera Karatai. Kia ora, Mawera. Kia ora, Sam. How's it going? Well, I'm hoping that it's hay fever and not the plague. Oh, please don't have the plague. That would be very inconvenient. That would be unfortunate, wouldn't it? Yeah, and it's contagious too, I think. Not hay fever. Hay fever no, just the plague. Hay fever is just coming from the pine trees. Oh yes, we get we get that in Fakatani too, where everything just has this blanket of yellow. Yeah, I think actually the pines eased off. I think it might be onto something else, a eucalypt or something. Never mind. I shall sniffle on through. Who are we introducing today? Today it is my great pleasure to introduce Sophie Sparrow. Sophie has what I think might be the coolest job in the whole history of jobs. She's the Science Coordinator at Otago Museum. Welcome, Sophie, and thanks for joining us today. Kia ora. Thank you for having me. Kia ora, Sophie. Where are you, Sophie? Uh, I'm in Pine Hill in Otapoti, Dunedin. Uh, very windy here today. It's always quite windy up on the hills. It's pretty windy out in Sawyer's Bay as well. Mm-hmm. How I've been asking people how was their bubble life how was our life in lockdown and now we're having to expand that but we'll start with last year how was your bubble life last year well last year i quite enjoyed lockdown to be honest uh i felt like we had really beautiful weather and i really enjoyed being able to spend more time at home uh, getting into the garden doing lots of baking (laughs) Uh, it was really nice and I also just quite enjoyed the community spirit that we found, I think, throughout the country during that time. Were you working from home? Yes, yeah. So I was um, working from home, but not a full 40 hours. So I had a bit more time to do other things that you don't normally get to do when you're stuck at home. So, yeah, it was nice. What work were you doing at home? Because the museum was closed. No one was coming to the museum. Yes. Yeah, definitely. So the museum closed, we moved a lot of our engagement online. Uh, So if you head to the Otago Museum website, you'll find a portal called At Home. uh, And that was where we started putting a lot of our content that we were making. So we did a lot of videos around fun little science experiments that you can do at home. Uh, Our education team put together a lot of wonderful activities for kids to do. Uh, There were even online puzzles that you could do. So there was lots of different content uh, that our different teams across the museum put together during that time. And the museum's changed a lot. All museums have changed a lot in the last two decades from being a storehouse to being that place of engagement. So this was like ramping that up even more, that you're not actually going to the place. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So uh, definitely over the past couple of decades, the museum has shifted its focus to its responsibility to the community uh, and to engaging the community with the, the wonderful objects that we have and also further uh, engagement with science. Um, and so making sure that we continue that engagement while people were stuck at home was really important for us. So what sort of things did you do to engage people? Uh, so we put together a different series of videos uh, online. So I personally did some stargazing videos. Uh, so we used um, a program called Stellarium, which is free and you can download it. It's awesome. Uh, and we just showed people how to find different um, stars or constellations or the planets that they could see up in the sky at that time. Uh, so encouraging them to get outside while they were spending time at home in the evenings and looking up at the sky. Uh, and then continuing on with videos um, of different experiments that they could try with their families. And then we also had uh, a couple of our team were essential workers looking after a lot of the animals that we have at the museum. Um, and so they they shared a bit of what they were doing in their time while they were going into the museum um, so that people could still see what was going on behind the closed doors. And what was it like reopening? Did, did people come rushing back to the museum or was it a bit more sort of controlled and people a bit more hesitant? Yeah, uh, at first it was quite quiet um, reopening the museum and it was definitely a big learning curve coming back. Um, it was a, a lot of things that we had to change. Uh, had to do a lot more cleaning, had to close some of the things that we couldn't clean very well. Um, a lot of those objects that people can touch, but we can't really spend too much time cleaning because that would damage them. Um, so that was definitely a, an interesting experience, um, but we did take that opportunity to say a big thank you to our essential workers in Otago, and we, so we gave them free entry to Tehuda, our science centre, uh, just for a period of time after that first lockdown. And that was amazing because they all came in and experienced the museum. A lot of them had never been before. Um, so that was really cool. Uh, but we did have those limits. You know, we could only have 100 people in our science centre at a time. So that posed a few challenges when we were getting quite busy. Did you take the opportunity to do some science education around COVID? We were in the, in the cafe with a three-year-old last week. And she came up with a really good reason as to why the sunfish is covered up. Oh, what was that? <laughs> oh, she said it is it it, it um you can't clean it. it, it it's yeah. it's it's furry. You can't clean it, um, and the COVID might get stuck on it. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So yeah, we did um the activities around cleaning, uh, and we've also had uh, some of our science communication team working. Uh, in the Meridian at the vaccination centre a little bit more recently. Um, so kind of prior to the most recent lockdown, we did a bit of engagement around vaccinations and how they work, why they're so important um, to, to focus on that. And coming to this year's lockdown, you would have been all prepared for working from home, rolled out the at-home resources again? Yeah, definitely. It was a, a much quicker setup this time. We knew what we were doing. <laughs> Uh, so, yeah, we basically just jumped back into what we had been doing last year. Let's take the first of your music choices. Let's have Good Shirt, Fiji Baby. Why this one? Oh, I love Good Shirt. They're a wonderful Kiwi band. Uh, and I think the lyrics are quite applicable at the moment, considering we can't go overseas. 
uh, it's a really good chance when we're able to to explore our own backyard. When we went to Hamilton, I said, just pretend it's a holiday. And you said, you, I'll just pretend it's Fiji, baby. Drive me up the wall Sometimes you say It's better if we spend some time away In the middle of the smith Something break down So come on now It's not a race We'll catch up when the end is near Let's fall away and disappear again You're the one I want to say That I always want to stay with you When this world's about to end You pull me through Pretending that Hamilton is a holiday, we need to be we need to be good at pretending. We need to have imaginations. What's the role of the museum in fostering that imagination and hope? Oh, I think the museum plays a really important role in encouraging people to be curious throughout their whole lives. Uh, it's really important to remember that we should never stop learning. We should always keep learning and keep being curious about the world around us. Um, the museum provides a platform for people to be curious without having to leave the country, um, especially in times like this. You can explore uh, artefacts, animals from all over the world um, and learn a bit more about things that you wouldn't normally see. Uh, so, yeah, I think that, that curiosity is really important. The theme of our show is positive but not deluded. And I imagine that that is a similar sort of thing that you have to 
had with the communication in, in a museum situation? Because some of the things that you are dealing with are sensitive, but you want to approach them in a positive light, but without becoming just entirely positive. Do you like when you when you're putting together things? How do you sort of like manage that balance? If, if you're talking about something like climate change, mm. how do you not become become just a huge doom fest? You actually want to show yeah. some positive stuff. Yeah, that's really important. We do a lot of outreach around climate change, uh, and so something we always try to focus on is what we can do about the problem. Um, so while we do make sure to illustrate the problems that are going on uh, and what will happen if we don't do anything, we always try to end on that more positive note of, you know, we can deal with this if we take action um, and, and looking at what we can do, what changes we can make in our lives, um, what kind of policies we need to be looking towards to deal with these problems uh, and making sure that, that we kind of end on that hopeful note. Um, that there are there are different options, different paths we can take, and if we choose the right path, then we'll probably be okay. One of the things about the pandemic that's been annoying me has been the response from people who are looking for certainty, mm. and seemingly not understanding that you can't put a date on a, a pandemic. One of the good responses I saw was, yes, it would be nice to know when the country's going to be open. We, we should also know the date of the next earthquake and the next flood. <laughs> How do you communicate to, to, to kids and to adults, for that matter, that that we don't know lots of stuff? Yeah, I mean, not knowing things is is why we have science. <laughs> uh, it's, it's how we learn about the world around us, really. So not knowing the answer to something uh, is, is the first step in finding out the answer, I think. Uh, and so it's, it all comes back to that being curious and wanting to learn throughout your whole life. So we can talk to the children about how they might not understand how something works. They might not know exactly what's going on around them, but they can find out. And that's what being a scientist is all about. Uh, it's about learning about the world around you. And even if we can't be 100% certain on some of these things, we can make really good educated guesses based on the evidence that we have. Um, so, yeah, I think that, that kind of backbone of science is really important. Yeah, I find it really frustrating when people pull up the fact that last year we were, the, the advice was to do this and you've just, that science has changed its mind. No, no, that's the point of science. Absolutely. Yeah. The only thing that can refute science is more science. Went to a fantastic museum in, it wasn't in the town called Dinosaur in the, in um, Colorado, or maybe it was in Utah. We went to this town because it was called Dinosaur and because its streets are wow. called things like the Stegosaurus Street and Tyrannosaurus Road. That is so cool. The town near there has got an awesome um, dinosaur museum. And what they've done is that they've shown the, 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 the evolution of the understanding and it, mm. it's really good to, and it, it's sort of like the the exhibits are kind of layered in such a way that you can see this is what we did think this was and then somebody discovered this other bone and we worked out that it couldn't be that so it's changed yeah. to this and it shows that that change of understanding i i think that's a really important message to that we can get across yeah, amazing yeah that, that idea that science is a process not about learning these particular facts. Bubble Sprite of the Forest of Orokudui, Dunedin's favourite goddess, 
Tahu Mackenzie. Kia ora koutou, nā mihi aroha nui ki a koutou kotaho I hope you're all having the best day, beautiful superstars and your beloved universes and I really hope wherever you are and whatever's happening around you, this journey that we're all on together is proving to be very rewarding, very sustaining and illuminating for you more and more each day, who you are, the triumph of nature's perfect, unique and here making things better. As we know, for the last more than a year, we have been journeying together over very rough and unexplored terrain. A new reality has arisen, which we are all supporting each other to traverse and negotiate every day. And of course, many of the ways of life that we've taken for granted can no longer be. And many of the ways of life that we have so previously enjoyed without consciously acknowledging them can no longer be either. So our collective grief and our collective strength are having to work together at this time as they have throughout our history as a species. And indeed all life, I'm sure, has had situations they've had to survive in this way too. For me, being part of the show and having these five minutes with you is so helpful and I'm so grateful to all of you and to Sam and the whole Land Brothers team. I talk to you now from my mansion as I prepare to launch back into my teaching work and my beloved heart's home, Orokunui Eco Sanctuary. I'm currently packing up some food for Waimari the Eel and my beautiful feline companions, Poirot and Hastings, who I got at the start of the last lockdown as an emotional support system, are very interested in this. They're also enjoying some eggs from the Wahine Tapa at Hahe HQ, who have just arrived, Lucy, Evelyn and Rose. And they're doing very well, laying beautiful eggs every day, digging up the veggie garden. And last night when I was sitting out having my veggie soup and kimchi and keto bread and cheese and marmite hopped on my knee and started eating my dinner with me which was quite unexpected and very exciting so I'm really looking forward to being back at Orokunui it's such a beautiful space it's such a special space it's so important to me I am feeling somewhat trepidatious about teaching with a mask on all day and trying to imbue the same sense of connection and enthusiasm without my mouth being able to be seen or my words being able to be heard in the same way. However, another part of me is relishing this challenge. I'm excited to attempt to communicate in a new way and to see how my group responds. The adults in the group will all be wearing masks. The children won't be. So it's a very interesting dynamic that we find ourselves in now. So I really hope for you, as you head into new ways of doing, being, seeing, feeling, you can acknowledge all the feelings that are rising in you and welcome them all as honoured guests, giving them time and space to move through your consciousness and giving yourself time and space to process them. 
you can find ways to nurture and connect with other life forms. I know that this is really helping me at the moment. At times we can become stuck in our own personal reality. And of course when we have that opportunity to connect with and honour others' realities, it can be somewhat of a relief. So as I go out now to feed the hens, I wish you all the best day. And I'll look forward to talking to you again soon. Thanks so much. Kakite. You're listening to Blowing Bubbles. We're talking with Sophie Sparrow. Sophie, in the break, um, in the song break just now, I have emailed a link to your at-home page to my uh, son's teacher so that the kids can do this in the holidays. There is so oh, much cool stuff on there. I cannot believe it. So, yeah, really encourage other people to have a look at that and we'll um, post a link when we post your interview. But awesome. um, on the subject of kids, because that's the thing that um, I think about all the time is our kids mm-hmm. in the future, and I think about... Um, the barriers that sit between them and their future, those barriers like climate change and the future of work and COVID and everything, everything that they're constantly bombarded with, all these negatives in our world. And I wonder, what is your best advice for helping them to get past this big wall of negative stuff? Yeah, I mean, a lot of the rangatahi, the young people that we work with, are so incredibly empowered with these issues. It's amazing to see how growing up with that knowledge and that education around these issues has kind of framed them into people that are uh, really aware of the different social inequalities and issues that they're going to be facing throughout the years as they grow up. Uh, And I think that while that's really hard and incredibly hard for them to deal with, that it's going to give them a lot of um, power to to make these changes. And that as we move forward in time, we'll see that kind of generational change uh, and that these young people will be working towards a future that's better for everybody because they have got that education, they've got that awareness of of all these issues that are going on. Uh, And so by having that knowledge and that understanding, they can use that to create a better future. So I think just just making sure that they're able to keep that in mind, that they have the power to change the future as they grow up uh, and that they can help create a world that they want to live in. One of the things that I hear from young people often is that parents don't listen, teachers don't listen, adults in general don't listen. What would you say to parents to help them to enable their kids to be those change makers that we need them to be? Oh, I think uh, it's, it's important that they do try to listen and do try to think about the future that their children are going to be having and just being aware that the, the world that their kids are going to be growing up in is going to be quite different to the world that they grew up in. Uh, there's going to be a lot of differences to what they had in their youth. Um, and so being able to, to support them and maybe listening to them about the future that they want to have because they're, they're the ones that are going to be inheriting this world uh, and so we need to make sure that we're creating a world that they will be happy to have and that will suit them and, and provide what they need. Um, so, so taking in their opinions, their views into account when it comes to things like voting, making decisions around the future, I think was really important because the future is for them, basically. Yep, that is so right. Of all the things that are that need fixing, I suppose, or, or where change needs to happen, 
if there was one thing you could change right now that would flow on to impact on everything else, what would that thing be? Oh, based here in New Zealand or across the world? Whatever you think. <laughs> I think here in New Zealand, something like a universal basic income would change everything. Uh, we've got so many issues around housing, uh, even you know our, our medical system, mental health care. These things are really inaccessible to a lot of people. Uh, and so having a universal basic income would erase a lot of those barriers, I think, um, and just help to, to boost us up to another level where we can look after everybody in our society. That is a very good idea. <laughs> it's my dream for the world. <laughs> Sophie, I want to come back to talking about you, if I may. How did you become a science communicator? I get to how you got into science bit, but the science communication education angle to it, how did that happen? Yeah, uh, I think it kind of happened accidentally. Um, <laughs> I, I studied zoology at the University of Otago. Uh, and while I was doing my postgrad there, I picked up a job, just a casual job at the museum. Um, so that was kind of just working front of house in the galleries and in our science center, uh, interacting with the public as they came through. And I just ended up loving it. <laughs> and, you know, just, just having a captive audience almost uh, to talk about things that you find interesting uh, and sharing that knowledge with people, getting them excited about it as well. Uh, I just found really, really enjoyable. Uh, and luckily, just as I finished postgrad, a job came up full time at the museum as a science communicator. So I ended up applying for that and I got it luckily uh, and I've been at the museum for about three and a half years now uh, so I started off as a science communicator which basically just means we work with the public that come into the museum um, I spent a bit of time with our education team as well so working with schools that come to visit the museum uh, and now I'm working as a the science outreach coordinator so we move from people coming to the museum to us taking the museum to people uh, and taking our different outreach projects across Otago and even further around the country. How was the, is it called the Lab in a Box? How's that going? Oh, Lab in a Box is awesome. Yeah, we love it. Um, so Lab in a Box is a, a big shipping container that folds out into a lab. So it basically doubles its floor space. Uh, and so we can use that as a platform to take engagement all around. Um, it is quite expensive to take a shipping container across the country, but when we can get the money to do it, uh, it's awesome. People love seeing the actual shipping container itself, but it, it basically means we have a lab that we can take anywhere in the country. Uh, so it's especially great for taking to those kind of more isolated communities that don't have access to science that we have in the urban areas. Because your reach, your footprint has, it's the Otago Museum, isn't it? It's, it's not the Dunedin yeah. Museum. Yeah. <laughs> how do you how do you maintain that connection with those kids in Ranfurly or wherever it was that Mawira grew yeah. up, somewhere even more remote? So that's kind of where our outreach team comes into play. So we'll often uh, go to those smaller communities for community events like A&P shows, uh, and we'll take whatever kind of project we have going on at the moment or just some general fun science to those communities. Um, and we'll use that as a, a platform to engage them with science, um, talk about the different issues, talk about how the museum is around, if they're ever in Dunedin, how they should come and check it out. And our, uh, our education team is really important in that as well, because those smaller community schools do often come into Dunedin, um, sometimes for their school camp. 
uh, and so they'll come and visit the museum while they're here. Is the it's called Night at the Museum? Is that running during COVID or is that on hold? It is still running. Yep. So the the sleepovers at the museum are still going ahead. Um, the schools will have their own rules around their bubbles and distancing and how they work that. So we just make sure that our staff are doing the distancing, keeping everything safe and clean as we need. Are the kids disappointed that it doesn't actually come to life in the in the night? <laughs> oh, well, I think that uh, the amazing sleepover presenters do everything they can to make it come to life. Um, sometimes they even get some of the, the parent helpers to dress up uh, some of those objects in the museum and give the kids a bit of a fright. So I think for them it does come to life. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take the second of your music choices. Let's have Dylan... The times they are a changing. Why this? Oh, I think again, it's just a really suitable song uh, for this time that we're in at the moment. Uh, and I chose this one in particular, thinking about how we were going to be talking about lockdowns, because the very first lockdown, when I went to the supermarket for the first time, um, it was a, a very surreal experience. Kind of going to that supermarket where we all had to be distanced. There was nobody in the shops. The shelves were quite empty something that we hadn't really experienced before. And um, as I was checking out, the song was playing and the checkout staff were singing along to it. And it was just kind of a nice moment and a weird time. Come gather around people wherever you roam And admit that the waters around you have grown And accept it that soon you'll be drenched to the bone If your time to you is worth saving Then you better start swimming or you'll sink like a stone For the times they are changing Some writers and critics who prophesize with your pen And keep your eyes wide, the chance won't come again And don't speak too soon, for the wheel's still in spin And there's no telling who that it's naming Was the loser now will be later to win For the times they are a-changing Senators, congressmen, please heed the call Don't stand in the doorway, don't lock up the hall For he that gets hurt will be he who has stalled The battle outside raging Will soon shake your windows and rattle your walls For the times they are a-changing Mothers and fathers throughout the land And don't criticize what you can't understand Your sons and your daughters are beyond your command Your old road is rapidly aging Please get out of the new one if you can't lend your hand For the times they are a-changing
line it is drawn, the curse it is cast. The slow one now will later be fast as the present now will later be past. The order is rapidly fading, and the first one now will later be last for the times they are changing. Sophie, Tahu tells me that you are organising a filmmaking competition. What's that about? Yeah, so another one of my hats that I wear along with um, working with the Targa Museum is helping out with the communications for biological heritage, one of the national science challenges. Uh, and one of our research investment teams there is running a film competition. Um, and the film competition is called Future Visions for Titayo for our environments. And it's basically encouraging people to make a short film uh, about what they want the future of our environment here in Aotearoa to look like. Uh, so there's categories for different age groups. So kids can enter, but adults are welcome to enter as well. Um, there's some cool prizes up for grabs. Uh, so they can just be short, really short videos that are shot on your phone, just showing what you want our future environment to look like uh, as we move towards uh, restoring biodiversity and things like that. So if you want to check it out, find out more, you can just search uh, Future Visions for Titaya on Google or head to the Biological Heritage Facebook page and there'll be advertising on it for there. That sounds fun. I'm... Yeah, it'll be a great activity if you want to get out and about during the holidays. And again, thinking about that that positioning of what you want it to look like, not necessarily what's wrong with it now. Yeah, definitely, yeah. Working towards a future goal of, of hopefully restoring our native environment to what it's meant to be. What lessons do you think we can take from the COVID pandemic for those bigger sorts of questions, things like biodiversity, climate change, social justice? Do you think we can take some lessons from that? Absolutely. I think um, one thing that I talked about recently with a, a colleague um, especially after the first lockdown was that idea that we all need to work together to protect the most vulnerable people in our communities um, so you know a lot of people who might suffer COVID might end up being absolutely fine after it but that's not the point uh, the point is that there are people who are really at risk from things um, like COVID or other issues going on in our world uh, and so that we need to all work together to make sure that the, the most vulnerable people are protected. And it might take some time, we might have to make some sacrifices, uh, but that I think is going to be really important when it comes to dealing with a lot of the other issues that our world is facing. Yes, I didn't say that. Of the, of the things that have irked me about the the responses that we're seeing, particularly on social media, is that, that notion that a few people are gonna die. Doesn't matter, they'll probably be sick anyway. Yeah, yeah, those Facebook comment sections can be pretty depressing at times. How do you, how does like science, how does science education, how does communication help people get beyond that kind of negativity or blinkered view? I think that, that science education will play a really important role uh, as we deal with uh, issues that our world is facing because it 
helps to provide an understanding of what is going on. Um, so things like understanding how our climate is changing and that even though we might not really see it on the day-to-day -day experiences, um, that, there's, that there is strong evidence of what is happening uh, and understanding that how, how science is done, basically, that, that, that it is constantly being tested, constantly being challenged to make sure that we are getting the most up-to-date, reliable information uh, that we can make these decisions on. And I think what we've seen here in New Zealand with COVID is that we have, our, our, our leaders have made a lot of their decisions based on the latest science and they've listened to the experts and they've taken their recommendations on board. And we've done really well compared to the rest of the world at protecting our people. And if we could deal with every issue like that, if we could listen to the experts about every issue, then I think that would be a big improvement. How do you get people to to stop and think, to, to get their attention. I was at the new office of the Otago University Sustainability Operations Group this week where Ray mm -hmm. O'Brien is busily painting the wall to the entrance with the the um, the carbon record, you know, the coloured blue and um, wow. red strips. And it's like, it's you could just walk past it and think it's newspaper, uh, think it's wallpaper, but as soon as you stop and look at it, it's really quite arresting. It's really, you, you, you can, can't... Um, help but notice and the museum's had a long history of Amadeo blowing stuff up to get attention how how are you going to continue to do that getting people's attention in this sort of not just COVID but in the the role of science I mean blowing things up is always a great place <laughs> to start um, but yeah I think definitely having those those visuals that are really grabbing and really easy to understand just on first glance is a really good start. Um, so we've had different exhibitions looking at climate change. One that pops to mind was around our our emissions per capita here in New Zealand um, compared to other countries. So when we compare it to, to those small island communities that are going to be really strongly affected by climate change, their, their emissions per capita are tiny because they're so small, they're having such a, a small effect on it, but they are being impacted so strongly by by the rising sea levels. Uh, and so I think, yeah, those, those visual reminders to show just how unequal these effects are going to be uh, is, is really important. Um, and so, yeah, one of our, our exhibitions that we had recently, our science journeys was developed by young people, a group of high schoolers, uh, and what they wanted to focus on was that inequality and how different communities will be affected in unequal ways. And seeing how New Zealand's emissions per capita was so much higher, uh, even compared to countries like China, really, really big, lots of people, but we still have a really high level of emissions. Um, just making it so clear and so easy to, to understand that we do have a role to play in fighting this battle. We've seen lots of changes for the good and for the bad, but let's focus on the good ones. Over the last couple of years, societal changes, what do you think is going to stick? And perhaps more importantly, what do you hope will stick? Yeah, I really hope that the, the increased sense of community that we've definitely developed sticks around um, when you look at the Facebook comment sections, I think it is quite quite depressing, but I think it's important to remember that 99% of people aren't commenting on those Facebook posts because they don't have anything negative to say. Uh, and so 
I think we've got we've got a really good sense of community here in Aotearoa and about looking after our people that are in need. Um, and it's definitely become a lot more amplified with COVID and I really hope that sticks around. Maybe that's a change we need to see is it make it more acceptable to write positive stuff. Definitely, yeah. We could bombard the comments with positive things. That would be a lot nicer. <laughs> Sophie, I have some questions to end the show with. Oh, and lots of time so we can go through them. What is the biggest success you've had in the last couple of years? Ooh. Uh, I think with my work at the museum, we've been able to take a lot of our outreach across the country. And also we got to go to a few of the Pacific Islands pre-COVID. Um, to educate those communities on how they're going to be affected by climate change. Uh, and I think we've had a lot of really rewarding engagements with people, a lot of rewarding conversations with people who maybe just weren't fully aware of, of what was going on and how it was going to be impacting them in their lifetime. And so I think the, the biggest success that we've had would be having those conversations with communities that are maybe a little bit more isolated from uh, from the from the issues uh, around climate change, and being able to to get them to realise that there is something going on that they need to be aware of, uh, and that they they need to be thinking about these things as we move forward into the future. So yeah, I think that would be the most success is having conversations with people that that were really engaged with it uh, and really took it on board. We are writing a book of these conversations. It's called Tomorrow's Heroes. It's our team of people doing good work. So you are in that team. What's your superpower? What's got you into the mansion? Oh, um, well, I'm honoured to be in the book. <laughs> um, uh, I think that I just really enjoy talking to people from different walks of life uh, and getting their input on these different issues. Um, because it's really great to see, to, to hear different points of view uh, from people and see how different issues are affecting them and impacting them, because that means that I have more knowledge when I'm talking to other people about how they might be affected by other issues. Um, so yeah, I think, I think just enjoying communicating with people from different communities so that I have that background knowledge uh, to, to help me move forward with my communication. So science communication involves listening as well. Absolutely, definitely it does. Do you consider yourself to be an activist? Oh, yeah, I'd say so. <laughs> I'd like to think so at least. What for? Uh, just for, uh, for protecting our environments is really important to me. Um, I'm a big fan of our native birds, and so I love to, to look after them, to... Um, plant native trees as much as we can. Uh, we've been doing that in our own backyard, um, trying to look after our natural environments and also just caring about other people, I think is really important. And I think it's something that's easy to forget um, that human beings are where they are today because we care about each other. Um, we've been able to, to build on our skills, build on our society to create the world that we live in today. Uh, and we can keep doing that I think, to, to make it a better world. So what motivates you? What gets you out of bed in the morning? <laughs> Coffee. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, definitely just just the chance to hopefully make a difference. 
uh, even if it is just small, if it's just um, a small group of kids that I talk to uh, one day that, uh, that are keen to, to make a difference in their local environments, their local community, being able to talk to them and encourage them to do that, I think is, is the main goal. And what is the biggest challenge or opportunity that you're looking forward to in the next year or so? Oh, well, we have at the, the outreach team has just put in a few applications for the Unlocking Curious Minds Fund from MBIE. Uh, and so we are hoping to do some outreach, uh, further outreach on our on different issues around climate change, around biodiversity. Uh, so we're yeah definitely hoping to, to get funding to do those do that outreach, take it across the country. Uh, but we are also, we also have our, our currently funded project, Far From Frozen, Going to Extremes, um, which is all about how climate change will impact Antarctica and New Zealand and what our options are for the future. Uh, and so looking forward over the next few months, we're hoping to take that throughout the country as well. Um, obviously COVID dependent there, but um, yeah, fingers crossed we can reach lots of isolated communities uh, with that outreach. And lastly, do you have any advice for our listeners? Oh, I think uh, at the moment we're going through quite an uncertain time. So it's totally understandable if you're feeling a little bit stressed, a bit anxious about everything that is going on. We never know what's going to happen when we see those 1pm daily press conferences. Um, so I think it's important to just just be aware that it's okay to not feel that great at the moment because everything has changed recently and we don't know what it's going to look like in the future. Um, so it's okay if you're not feeling great, take some time to look after yourself, to do the things you enjoy and spend time with your whanau, with your loved ones, um, just to recharge your batteries, I think is really important. Thank you for that. Mawera. Sophie, the more confident our kids are with their knowledge, the better they can be the voice for change. And you are directly adding to their knowledge. And I thank you for that. Thanks for enabling our kids to uh, work towards creating the future that they want to live in. We need more people like you doing that work. Thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. It's been a great chat. Thank you. It seems it's warmer and warmer And things have gone from strange to
You've been listening to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. Brought to you by the Sustainable Lens Team, which is brought to you by Otago Polytechnic. Listen up. I was stomping around with my giant carbon footprint, but now I got it so tiny you really got to squint. I learned there was a lot of... We broadcast on Otago Access Radio every weekday afternoon at 3 and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz. We had a contribution today from Tahu McKenzie. This is... They Might Be Giants. I'm Tim Lane, and so is Bay Dunedin with Moira Karatai in Fukutani and in Pine Hill Dunedin. We've been joined by Sophie Sparrow. That was Blowing Bubbles. We hope you enjoyed the show. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.